are Locked On Yankees, your daily New York Yankees podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are listening to the Locked On Yankees podcast, which is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Stacey Gotsoulias, and I'm the host of Locked On Yankees. I'm a baseball writer turned podcast host, and you may have read my work at places like Baseball Prospectus, The Hardball Times, Fan Rag Sports, and the ESPN Sweet Spot blog. You can find us on Twitter at Locked On Yankees, all one word, and you can find me on Twitter at my personal account, Stace Gotts. Please feel free to tweet questions or comments to either account. If you're a new listener, hello and welcome. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. I hope you all enjoy today's episode. It is part two of my conversation with my former co-host, Dominic Lanza. This time we're talking about the Yankees waiting to sign DJ LeMahieu, if it even happens, Trevor Bauer's free agency, free agency as a whole, and we even get into different types of cheating that has been exposed over the last few years. But first, you can get Locked On Yankees and all other Locked On podcasts straight to your phone in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Himalayas, Spotify, Stitcher, or anywhere else you get your podcasts. And when you get into your car, you can tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Yankees. So the Yankees are sitting on their hands with regards to re-signing DJ LeMayhew. And the annoying thing about it is DJ LeMayhew wants to be a Yankee. And by all accounts, the Yankees want DJ LeMayhew to continue to be a Yankee. And yet they're sitting on their hands. They haven't done anything yet. And it's gotten to the point where players like Luke Voigt and Gleyber Torres have come out and been like, um, hello, when is this happening? Is this happening anytime soon? (laughs) What, what, I don't understand what the Yankees are doing. I really don't. Do they think that no one else is going to go after DJ LeMayhew? Because there are teams who could use DJ LeMayhew and who could sweep in or swoop in and take him right from under them. So what the hell are they doing? I have no clue. Uh, I mean, I guess Brian Cashman is just hyper-focused on DJ LeMayhew and saying this has to be done, this card has to fall before anything else can come into place, but it seems like it's pissing LeMayhew off, and it seems like it's pissing off other Yankees, and at a certain point, there's an opportunity cost in everything, and you have to be at least mildly concerned that the Yankees will lose him, and... By the time that happens, there won't be anything else, and you'll end up with an up-the-middle of Glaber Torres and Tyler Wade, because Francisco Lindor is gone now. Mm -hmm. He's not a fallback option. And now that he's been traded, there's more stuff coming out of the rumor mill about teams being connected to Marcus Semien and Angelton Simmons and Didi Gregorius. And once these players sign, if they start to sign before LeMahieu, the Yankees are going to rapidly run out of options. And then instead of, you know, having two up the middle all-stars or even guys that were former all-stars, they end up with Torres and, you know, a, a roll of the dice. Is it Tyler Wade? God, I hope not. Or is it, you know, somebody like Jerks and Profar, who was pretty good last year, but has basically made a career of being a injury-prone league average hitter who can kind of play multiple positions, but none too well and the drop off there is just significant and it's 
it's just getting scary because that's kind of what I see happening. You know, the Yankees, he walks, everybody else is gone, and then they come out like, well, we signed Jerks and Profar. He's only 28, and he was a top prospect 15 years ago, and we are confident that he'll recapture that magic here. And, you know, maybe it does happen. The Yankees do have a habit of pulling these rabbits out of the hat with, you know, Luke Voigt and Mike Taukman for a year and Gio Urshela. So maybe they get somebody else and they pull a LeMahieu. I mean, let's not forget, LeMahieu's two best seasons came with the Yankees. So maybe there's something to them replacing him with somebody who could be better. But why take that chance when he's there and he wants to come back? I can't imagine he's asking for something exorbitant. I mean, what is it now? They're... The Yankees won't budge from four and he wants five. I think that's what it is. Yeah. But it's still, it's just like you said, I'm really afraid. I'm afraid of this with second base and I'm afraid of this with the rotation that, you know, they're constantly saying, you know, we want to put a team out there that's going to win a world series. Well, you're not going to win a world series if you have Garrett Cole and nothing (laughs) in the rotation, not nothing, but Davey Garcia, okay. Uh, I know that they were talking about Michael King. They were talking about Clark Schmidt. Luis Severino may be back. And who knows? Because with his injury history, coming back from Tommy John, who knows if he doesn't have three setbacks before he comes back? And my biggest worry is this whole um, thought process that Hal always goes through because he's a business major, or he was a business major, so he's really into the money part And he's so scared of having to pay the luxury tax or go near the luxury tax. I feel like Garrett Cole was their big move and they're not going to make another one for five years. And they're just going to, you know, do this patchwork thing where they think, oh, we can plug these guys in here and plug these guys in here and we'll win this way. And that's not how it works. Yeah. Not how it's worked for the Yankees. I don't think it's how it really works for anybody. I mean, You look at the Dodgers, who are basically the West Coast version of what the Yankees should be doing, and, you know, and they're like, oh, Jock Peterson's a good little right fielder, but maybe we'll upgrade to, you know, the best right fielder in baseball and get Mookie Betts. You know, (laughs) the Dodgers are, are always proactive, and the Yankees are very reactionary, and it's upsetting. It's especially upsetting because I'm assuming, I have no idea what they're thinking, but I'm assuming that right now... Steinbrenner and Cashman are looking at the AL East and saying the Red Sox aren't doing anything. The Blue Jays are still depending on young players getting better and the Rays actively got worse. So we're the best team in the division by default. So, you know, Mm -hmm. why spend money? We don't have to spend. Right. And you know, it, it doesn't take much for that to evaporate. I mean, nobody expected the Rays to win the division last year, let alone make it to the world series. So who knows, maybe the Blue Jays, maybe Bichette is just as good as he was last year over a full season and Vlad Guerrero Jr. turns into the once-in-a-generation hitter that people projected him to be. And all of a sudden, the Blue Jays are a better team. It's not hard to see, especially when the Yankees themselves are kind of an injury-prone team. I mean, last year, Torres was hurt, Judge is hurt every year, Stanton is hurt every year, Hicks is hurt every year. And the depth that they had that they've been cultivating is evaporating. You know, Talkman wasn't as good in year two as he was in year one. Gardner's a free agent. Frazier, I love. I've loved forever. But he's had his issues with injury history. And 
his best stretch was an abbreviated portion of an already abbreviated season. So you look at this team and it it's very good on paper, if not great, but I think as much as in any of the prior years, you can see where their problems can come from mm-hmm. and the solutions are on the free agent market. And one of the solutions wants to be with the team. And even another one, Tanaka, I haven't checked in on Tanaka in a while, but at one point they were saying Tanaka was pretty much coming back to the Yankees or going back to Japan. Mm-hmm. I've heard him. I think I heard something about him being linked to the Padres because they have um, Larry Rothschild now and he's close with him and he's close with Darvish. I, I don't know if that was just a Twitter idea or something, but you know, you have these two guys who want to be Yankees and go a long way to fixing the Yankees problems. And they're just out there. And we've seen how quickly these teams make moves. Blake Snell and you Darvish were, rumored to go to the Padres and then they were on the Padres an hour later same thing with Lindor going to the Mets right like the Padres did what you would want the Yankees to do and shore up the rotation with two of the best pitchers in baseball and the Yankees are just sitting here going well we have Garrett Cole and you know we can we can plug some guys in where you know I mean I wouldn't want Hap back obviously I wouldn't want Paxton back because of his injury, I mean, he's just injured all the time. It's insane how injured he is. But I mean, why couldn't the Yankees be like, "Hey, let's let's get you Darvish"? I mean, Snell, I can see not because why would the Rays make that move? But the Cubs, the Cubs are looking to unload everyone. <laughs> yeah, and Darvish didn't fetch a huge return because the Cubs wanted to dump his salary. The Yankees definitely could have matched that without really hurting the bottom line. It's just money at that point. And when you look at the free agent market, the free agent pitcher landscape after, I mean, after Bauer, who, you know, no thank you. Um, I think Tanaka is the best pitcher out there. Right. Unless I'm, unless I'm forgetting somebody. I mean, I know Jake Odorizzi is a free agent. Um, Paxton, who you said, are there any other big name pitcher free agents out there? I don't think so. In a moment, we're going to be discussing everyone's favorite subject this offseason so far, Trevor Bauer. But first, are we ready for some football? Because there are four big matchups this weekend in the NFL playoffs, including Tom Brady and the Buccaneers against Drew Brees and the New Orleans Saints. And there's only one place that has you covered and one place that we trust, betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDON for your 50% welcome bonus. Also this weekend, the LA Rams are taking on the Green Bay Packers. The Rams are favored by 6.5. The Baltimore Ravens are taking on the Buffalo Bills. The Ravens are favored by plus 2.5. And in a very interesting matchup of the Cleveland Browns, who are on a high after winning their first playoff game since 1994, they're favored by 10 points over the defending champion Kansas City Chiefs. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use the promo code Locked On to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. I'm a true New Yorker who doesn't drive or own a car, but if you own a car or a truck, you should go to rockauto.com. Because rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. 
Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com 2020 is mercifully over. It's time for a fresh start and a few more wins. If you're betting this year and want more wins, listen to Locked On Bets with your boy Q and Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. They're picking college basketball, football, and NBA locks all winter long. Subscribe to Locked On Bets wherever you get podcasts. And now back to the discussion. Because the only one anyone ever talks about is Trevor Bauer. And even he, you know, he had his best season in an abbreviated season. He's had two good seasons, like two really good seasons out of his entire career. And I don't trust him to do well for five or six years. No, you know? neither neither do I. I mean, he is, he's kind of one of those players who seems to have, at least the last four or five years, he alternates very, very good years with very, very average years. Mm-hmm. So you have a pitcher who I think for his career is pretty close to Tanaka for overall value. And he's talking about getting a $150 million deal. And, you know, he's, I, I don't know if I could say anything more in place. I'll just say, and he's a jerk. So I really don't want him on yeah, the no, Yankees. I for. <laughs> yeah, I don't want him either. Um, He's, ugh. Yeah, no. And like you said, I I can't even believe that he thinks he can command that amount of money. Like, what an ego. (laughs) Yeah, and it's, I pulled it up uh, because I was very curious. Yeah, like, I went, I'm on Fangraphs right now, and this year he was great. It doesn't need to be rehashed. In 2019, his ERA and FIP were both basically league average. In 2018, he was awesome. In 2017 and every year before that, basically league average across the board. It's, it's you know, what's what's the real Bauer, especially when all the stuff comes out about him experimenting with pine tar and other stuff to see what he could get away with. And again, it was, what did he make? He made 12 starts this year. So I have no idea what you're getting, and I don't think you could pay for that. If he was still on his I'll only take one year deals, maybe... I feel a little better about saying, you know what, screw it. I don't like him. I don't trust him. But one year, 30 million. Yeah, maybe, you know, one year, 30 million. That's what he wants. He wants the Garrett Cole, 36 million for one year. Fine. If he sucks, he sucks. He's never there again. If he's great. Okay. Maybe then you bring him back. That's the other thing. I saw something that said that he thinks he can, he should command the same amount that Cole makes (laughs) yearly. And I'm like, are you kidding Seriously? Like, how is his ego that high? Well, I know how his ego is that high. And, you know, his agent isn't really helping either. Um, You know, she goes around tweeting constantly about him and how awesome he is. And, you know, they do, like, these videos with each other where they're talking about how great he is in his car and this and that. It's like, what are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) Like, I understand it's 2021 and the way things are done are a little different now. And people, you know, social media is a big tool. 
Uh, but Bauer is a big tool. And um, <laughs> I just know, like you said, maybe one year. I mean, I wouldn't like it, but it's a much lower risk to sign someone at one or two years as opposed to five or six. And like you said, with his history where he'll be great one year, league average great, or just league average for a few years in a row. And again, like I said, I don't trust him to do well over a five-year span. I just don't. And I don't understand how people are even entertaining this thought. Because there are some people in Yankee land, the fans who were pro Bauer and really want him on the team. And I don't understand what they're even looking at. I guess they're looking at his great 2020. I mean, we can't take that away from him. He was great in 2020. Sure. But it was, I was wrong. It was 11 starts, not 12. But it's it's 11 starts. And, you know, not many pitchers have 11 game stretches as good as Bauer did last year. But it's still 11 games. And you're talking about a guy who in 2019 was a league average starting pitcher. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if there's anything you look at that says these are gains he made that he's going to keep. Maybe if 2020 was a full season and he did it, then you start saying, okay, two of the last three years, he's been great. He's made improvements across the board. Right. Then all of a sudden, 2019 looks like the blip on the radar. Mm-hmm. Right now, 2020 is the year that looks like the blip, and it's 11 starts. Now, here's another subject that kind of ties in with Bauer because, you know, he was very openly complaining about Houston and how their pitchers were suddenly putting more spin on the ball and talking about using foreign substances. And this lawsuit came out, a former employee of the Angels came out and basically named all these pitchers who were using a substance that he came up with. Cole was one of them. Um, Max Scherzer was another one. Justin Verlander, which I love that so much um, (laughs) because he had tweeted, oh God, was this three years ago? I think it was three years ago. He tweeted that he wanted guys tested for steroids every day. And I quote tweeted him and just said, LOL. And then he said, why are you laughing at my, you know, don't you think guys should be tested, blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, oh, please. You know, the logistics of testing every single player on every single team every freaking day would not work. That's what I was laughing at, not the testing itself. So the fact that he was, you know, crying about keeping the game clean and then joining a team that cheated to win the World Series in 2017. And now we find out that he was using foreign substances on the ball. But then on the other side of that, who cares at this point? Do you know how many pitchers have used that crap on them? Like throughout the history of baseball, you know, these guys have to do something to help them grip the ball, help the ball spin more, um, you know, in different weather, the ball moves different ways. So, you know, these guys are all using stuff. So I don't even like this lawsuit is silly to me because, you know, they're all using it. But I just love the guys that cry the most about cheating are the ones who are always cheating. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I feel like that always happens. That's happened with a lot of steroid guys, too. Palmero was one of the guys speaking out about steroids. My favorite thing, I never did steroids in my life. And then he comes out (laughs) that same season and he tests positive. It's like, are you serious, dude? I just love that. I I just think it's the funniest thing ever. But what do you feel? Well, like, how do you feel about this? Because remember the year that, uh, was it 2011 when the Yankees played the Tigers and What's up? No, 20, no, 2006, not 2011. He wasn't still playing then. Kenny Rogers visibly had stuff on his hand and they showed it on the broadcast and nothing was said about it. 
<laughs> and I know Yankee fans watching the game were like, he has pine tar on his hands. Why isn't anyone doing anything <laughs> about it? It's like, obviously he was using something because it's Kenny Rogers. Like, how was he pitching that well? It's because he was using a substance. But then the other part of me is like, who cares? You know, they're all doing it. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm largely in the if everybody's doing it, I kind of don't care camp. Maybe that's not right, not the right way to be. But when things start to bother me, it is what the Astros were doing when there's this coordinated team effort using technology and everything to cheat. I think that's different. A player looking to gain an advantage by doing stuff on his own. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say I, I like it. I endorse it. But I don't have a problem with it. If it gets caught, they get caught, they're cheating, they get called out on it, they have to stop. If it's something really bad and there has to be a suspension or something, do it. But I don't really like this holier-than-thou stuff that everybody does, especially when it comes from people who you know are doing stuff like that. Because we know Verlander was fine with cheating. And Bauer, hasn't Bauer, I don't know if I'm just making this up, if he actually admitted it, but... I know there was stuff about him experimenting with substances on balls to get more spin. Mm-hmm. So him getting on his soapbox about it, it's just like those Hall of Fame voters who tacitly endorsed steroid use when it made their jobs easier in the 90s and early 2000s and now decry it. It's it's hypocritical and I hate it. Well, I was, you know, Verlander went through a stretch there where it looked like his career was over. And then he suddenly goes to Houston and he's revived again. And you're not going to tell me that he just suddenly was like, oh, I'm going to pitch well again. Something was going on. Yeah, that's that's why I was actually um, that's why I was kind of interested with Garrett Cole coming to the Yankees, too, because Cole did have his two best years with the Astros. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with Cole, a lot of it can be. Okay, well, he went from Pittsburgh, where everybody disappointed, to Houston, and he was also in his mid-20s. He wasn't like Verlander in his mid-30s, but, you know, there was a part of me that was a little worried that we might see a slip with the Yankees because of whatever circumstances, but we didn't. Cole was great, mm-hmm. but that's always an interesting test. That was the big thing with DJ LeMahieu, who I, who I will proudly admit that I, or maybe not proudly, maybe sheepishly is a better word. Um, I wasn't too thrilled when the Yankees signed him. Oh, neither was I. Because I. <laughs> I looked at a guy, it's like, yeah, he has really nice batting averages and he's a really good defender, but he does nothing else. And also Coors Field. And then he's been their best hitter for two years. So, <laughs> But I always think that's an interesting test case to see when a player enters a good situation, regardless of why it's good. Is it good because of the park? Is it good because, you know, it's Phil Hughes going to pitch in San Diego or, you know this guy going to hit in Colorado or Arizona or Texas, or is it good because they're doing some shady stuff? Right. Or is it even good because it's Larry Rothschild preaching, throwing strikes in the upper third of the strike zone. Uh, it's always, always interesting to see how players respond when they leave that, mm-hmm. especially if it's not a lesson they can take with them. So I hope you enjoyed part two of my conversation with Dominic Lanza. And for now, that's it for this episode of Locked On Yankees, which is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'd like to remind you that you can subscribe to this show in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Himalaya, Spotify, Stitcher, or anywhere else you get your podcasts. And when you get into your car, you can tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Bets. One more thing, if you could be so kind, please rate the podcast and spread the word about this podcast to your fellow Yankee fans. 
we would really appreciate it. Enjoy your Thursday and have a good weekend and I'll talk to you all next week.